I pulled up uh, behind a car at a stop uh, stoplight, and I, I try, if possible, to read the bumper stickers that people have in front of them. Some people have bumper stickers. It's, it's kind of interesting. Some people have political bumper stickers that are, you know, pretty old. I mean, they're back a few presidential elections. So the Nixon Agnew bumper sticker, that's been on there a while. That's an old one. On this particular car, I read the bumper sticker and it said, life is hard, but God is good. And I thought, you know what? That's a very true sentiment. I, I, I could agree with that. Life is hard, but God is good. And as a matter of fact, as we open up here in a few moments the book of James and begin to look, I think James could echo that same sentiment. Life is hard, but God is good. Here's our challenge. We don't want it to be merely a sentiment. Just kind of a bumper sticker theology that's slapped on the back of our lives. Because here, I think what James is going to do for us today is he's going to really call us to think a little more deeply about life being hard and God being good. And, and I think if, if James saw that bumper sticker, his first reaction would be, yes, I can agree with that. But I, I think he would go on to ask us a simple question. If that's true, that life is hard and God is good, if that's true, where's your joy? Why, when life gets hard, does it seem your joy is just snatched away from you? That's what we're going to look at this morning. Again, we're we're looking in the book of James. If you've got your Bibles, I, I hope you'll go ahead and mark that. Keep something there. We're going to be coming back and back and back to James until we've We've gone through it in, in its entirety, but I think what we're going to find as we talk about real faith in the, in the real world, I think what we're going to find is that we can go away today, not only saying life is hard, but God is good, but we can go away with joy even in the midst of it. So we're going to be in James chapter one. We're going to start reading with verse two. We're going to go through verse eight. But we're going to take it a piece at a time, okay? We're not going to read the entirety. I'll let you do that. And as a matter of fact, I would encourage you. James is not a long book at all. It was a very short letter, very practical letter. But I would encourage you over the course of the next few weeks to get acquainted with James and get acquainted with the message in James. Make it a part of your daily reading. Just read a chapter a day. By the end of this, what you'll discover is that you will have achieved a depth of understanding and insight. And every time you read it, you're going to get more out of it. You're going to be astounded even more at what God still has to say to you out of words you've read week after week after week. But we're going to begin here with James chapter 1, verse 2. And if you've got your Bibles, if not, we'll put it on the screen. But I'd encourage you to bring your Bibles if you could. And this is what it says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. Now, hang on. Consider it, count it, joy, great joy when you're experiencing various trials. A couple of things you need to understand up front in case you live on another planet. The first is that trials will come. It's unavoidable. No matter how good your life may be, no matter how, how uh, nice your upbringing was, no matter how much money you have in the bank or, or where you live, trials will come. 
It's just part of living in this broken, fallen world in which we live. Trials will come. And the second thing that I want to tell you this morning is that trials will come in all shapes and sizes. As a matter of fact, that's what he says. He says, consider it joy, great joy, when you face a variety or various trials. This word means variegated. It means multicolored. What it means is that life is full of trials in all shapes and sizes. And what you're facing is probably going to be a little different than what I'm facing. And a little different from what someone else is facing. We're all going to face a variety of trials. But what we all share in common is none of us are immune to trials. Not one of us is going to get away without trials and troubles and tribulations taking place in our lives. You know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. Was he right? Yeah, he proves himself right every day. In this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said it. James is telling us the same thing. It is something that's common to us all. It's amazing how we get blindsided and are shocked when troubles come. I mean, Jesus said it was going to happen. It's part of this humanity. And so here's what I want to encourage you. And this kind of ties in with the, the video preview that you saw for the women's study that's going to get started in a couple of Wednesdays. We need to put on this armor. In other words, we need to access and apply that which God has given us. We need to plant our feet firmly and we need to prepare for the times that troubles come because they're coming. For some of you, they've, they've like, they're in your guest room. You've had them for a while. So how then can we do what it is that James calls us to do here. How can we consider it great joy when various trials come into our lives? I want to share two simple truths with you this morning. I hope that they will help you as you understand and begin to figure out how joy can come out of these trials. And the first truth is this. Trials move us closer to maturity. Trials move us closer to maturity. If you begin uh, at, at verse 3, and let's look at 3 and 4, it says, uh, we're supposed to uh, consider it all great joy uh, when we face various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. You remember what it was like growing physically a little bit or watching your children or grandchildren growing? Now, I don't remember, you probably don't either, remember taking your first step. That's a long time ago for some of us. The first step that we took. But here's what I can tell you, not from my personal experience, because I don't remember it, but from my children's experiences, is that in taking those steps, there were a lot of falls, And sometimes those falls resulted in scrapes, cuts. They didn't always fall in a pile of marshmallows. They didn't always fall on a shag carpet. Sometimes they, they fell to this side or that and hit the, 
the end table or, or fell on the, the, you know, the brick of the fireplace. Do you remember the bicycle? Now, I can remember learning to ride a bicycle. It took me a while. I was kind of scared. And so after falling the first time, I wasn't so sure I wanted to do it again. Matter of fact, it was so bad that my mom and dad actually gave up on me. And it took the neighbor coming over persistently, running behind the bike and letting it go, watching me fall before I finally learned how to ride the bike. Came with a lot of scrapes and bruises and cuts. And then, of course, you get a little older and you want to learn to ride without holding the handlebars. And I made it my aim from the time I left my house riding my uh, bicycle to school. I made it my aim not to touch the handlebars, to take the bumps and the curves and everything without the handlebars. And this is before helmets. And you know what? I made it almost every day. Growing up physically, we expect that there are going to be bumps and bruises, right? How about growing up emotionally? Sure. Growing up emotionally, you face a lot of hurts and heartaches. Some of you remember your first love. May have been in high school, may have been in junior high. Probably wasn't nursery school for most of you. But you remember. And I don't, you may have married them, but odds are you went through a few crushes few loves and you ended up hurt some of you've experienced that as adults you've given your heart to someone and they just kind of stepped on it as they walked away maybe it's been with a parent or with a child Growing up emotionally, maturing emotionally, we understand that there are, there are hurts and there are heartaches that come along with that. So why do we expect spiritual growth to be different? Why do we think that God's got, you know, kind of a magic wand, more of a fairy godmother than the God of the universe, and that he's just going to wave it over and sprinkle a little fairy dust on us and, and somehow our lives are going to be free from spiritual struggles. It's not the way it is. We don't get out <laughs> physically, emotionally, or spiritually without some bumps and bruises, without some cuts and scrapes, without some hurts and heartaches. And we're not going to get through without trials and troubles. They come. But in the midst of it, we can have joy. How is that? Let, let's look at 1 Peter for a minute. I want, I want to share some verses out of 1 Peter. If you want to look it up in your Bible, really, it's only a couple of pages over to your right. You should be able to run into 1 Peter and, and looking at it at, at, uh, beginning uh, in chapter 1, verse 3. Now, now, here's the cool thing about this. James and Peter are not the same person. But you'd have thought that they were looking over each other's shoulders as they wrote this. This is actually pretty cool. And this is what Peter writes. He says, um, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You're being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. 
you rejoice in this, though for now, for a short time, you've had to struggle with various trials. So that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes, though uh, refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him, though you've not seen him. And though you're not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, so what is Peter saying here? Peter's saying what James is saying is that God is up to something. God is doing something. In the middle of the trials and the troubles and the hurts and the heartaches and all that you're enduring, God is up to something. He is maturing you. He is, he's bringing you from where you were to where he wants you to be. And it's almost as if you feel like you're going through a furnace. But it is that process of going through a furnace that things are burned away from your life, removed from you, and your spirit, your soul is tempered like steel in the flame. In other words, it's not meaningless. You're suffering. If you were suffering and it had no meaning, there's no joy. If you're suffering and it has meaning, then you can find joy. When you are in the middle of your trials, It's hard to see that God is up to something. But he is. Either God is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, or he's not. And you have to decide which is it. Either this is meaningless. It has, there's nothing to it, even though I don't understand it. Either it's meaningless or it has meaning. Either God's working in it or God's not working in it. And you have to decide that. And if you say, hey, listen, I don't see the meaning and I don't believe God's working in this. And I promise you there is no joy. But if you see that this is a refining process in my life and a strengthening process in my life. And and God hadn't abandoned me in the midst of this. But God is doing something in the midst of this. Then you can have joy. All the scripture shouts at us. God is at work. Trust him even when it hurts. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our our pain, in the midst of our confusion, we cry out, but God, I don't understand. Why does it have to hurt so much why me why now there will be people that tell you don't ask God why I'm here to tell you God invites you to ask him why look look in verse 5 now if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. Now, I want to tell you something about this verse, because a lot of times we like to swoop in, grab a verse, slap it on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt, and take it completely out of context. All right, what's the context here? The context here is trials, troubles, suffering. 
There's the context. So if any of you lacks wisdom, what kind of wisdom? God, I don't understand. I have no clue what's going on here. I don't, I don't see you at work in this. I, I don't feel you at work in this. I kind of feel alone and abandoned. And so, God, I, I'm coming to you because I don't know. And what did it say? It says, look at it. If you lack wisdom, ask God. God gives generously without criticizing. If you go to God and you say, God, why? I don't understand. Why? God's not going to look at you and go, what are you, crazy? Are you dumb? What do you mean you don't understand? should be completely apparent to you. No. God understands. You don't know. He's not going to criticize. In fact, he wants to give you the wisdom you need. And that leads us to our second truth, and that is this. Trials move us closer to God. They move us closer to maturity, and they move us closer to God. I I like what King David said in Psalm 18. He says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my mountain where I seek refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I'll use this a lot of times during funeral services as an encouragement to those who are gathered. But look at this. David, you see this whole long list? This is, is, the Lord is this for me. He's my, my rock, my stronghold, my salvation, my fortress. He's my refuge. Now, how did David learn this? Did David learn this sitting up on top of a mountain with a, a, a field just, just you know, covered with flowers and sheep kind of buying in the distance and, and the, you know, a gentle breeze blowing? And it, is that how he learned this? No. We don't learn this on the mountaintop. We don't learn this when it's sunshine and butterflies all around. We don't learn this. When life is like being on a sailboat with a gentle breeze where you're just skipping along the surface of the water. That's not how you learn this. You only learn this when life gets hard. When troubles come. When trials surround you. Most often it is in life's dark, cold valleys where pain and distress are our companions, that we draw nearer to God. It's in these times when our deepest need for Him outweighs all of our wants and wishes. When things are going well, we kind of put things on cruise control. We put God in the back seat And we just go along our merry way. But when the dark clouds roll in, the temperature plummets, and we feel abandoned and alone and we're hurting, then we say with David, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my refuge. I got nowhere else to go. 
And so I go to him. Here's what happens. In our culture, when troubles come, and they will, when they seem to come so rapidly that you feel like you have, uh, you know, you've had one trial after another trial after another trial, it's, it's kind of like if you ever watch the Rocky Balboa movies, okay, you're just punch drunk. You just, I mean, you just hit, hit. When, when life is like that, and it just keeps coming at you and keeps coming at you and keeps coming at you. We tend to get on Facebook and start to rant about things and criticize. We put it out there in the, the social networks so that everybody can look at it, see it, experience it right along with us. When it happens to us, we gather our coworkers around us and we, we say, hey, look, come and join my gripe fest. Come and listen to me complain about how bad life has been to me. And listen, I'm not putting anybody's bad life down. Some of you have had and are having difficult times. But what does the Bible tell us? The Bible says we need to run to God. We need to take all this stuff to God. We need to go into the throne room of grace. He has flung, do you not realize this? God has flung the doors to his throne room wide open. His children have access. There are no guards standing there going, hey, don't bring your problems to me today. He's not on vacation. He's not on the golf course. He's not taking a nap. It doesn't matter what time of day it is or what day of the week it is. God is there. His door is open. And he says, hey, bring this stuff to me. Your trials, your troubles, your confusion, bring it to me. Come and confess that you're ignorant. Confess that you don't know. Confess that you're plagued by by doubts. And then ask him, could you help me put this in perspective? Because I'm, I'm really not getting it. He's the one we go to. Not the social networks. Not a group of friends who just pat us on the back and, and give us some, some, some accolades that are too often empty. Listen, God knows that we don't know. That doesn't surprise him. He's not going to condemn us for not knowing. In fact, he wants to give us answers. I want to tell you something that some of you may or may not like. A lot of times when we go to God and say, hey, God, I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. Uh, I, I'm confused. Uh, I'm riddled with, with doubt. Um, and I need some wisdom. You know where God's going to point us a lot of times? Here. We discover in the pages of this book, God's love letter to us, we discover more wisdom, more truth than you will ever get in a thousand, thousand, thousand sermons. And yet, it sits on a shelf collecting dust. We open it up for a proof text every now and then when we want to post something on Facebook or on Twitter, but... We don't let it speak to us on a daily basis. And 
Don't be surprised when you go and say, hey, God, I don't understand. I need wisdom. Don't be surprised. The Holy Spirit doesn't say, hey, listen, let me, let me pull you to the word. Don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit doesn't say, hey, let me, let me pull you into a church family. Don't be surprised the Holy Spirit doesn't say, let me pull you into a small group who can love you and together you can help come to understand what it is that's going on in your life. Let's, let's move on verse 6 because we've got a, got a few more verses we want to look at before we wrap it up. When we're going through trials, we don't understand, we, we lack wisdom, we go to God, we ask, and then verse 6, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubters, like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive or a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, we may not understand our circumstances, and quite frankly, most of the time we don't. We may not understand why we're facing the trials and the troubles that we're going through. There may be a lot that we don't understand. But one thing that we need not doubt is this, that God loves us and he's caring for us even in the midst of our trials. He doesn't leave. You ever had friends that bugged out when trouble came? That's not God. In the midst of it, he's there. He's not going to leave. He's not going to turn his back on you and walk away. Even we don't understand he's there. And so as I try to, try to land the plane here, as I try to, to wrap this up, I, I want you to understand that you need to be honest with God. It doesn't help to pretend that you, don't, that you know everything and that you've got it all figured out. It doesn't help. First of all, God knows it's not true. Secondly, you know it's not true. And all those people you're pretending for, they probably know it's not true too. So quit pretending you've got it all together. Admit, my life is a mess. I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. Every time I feel like I'm getting on my feet, here comes another punch. God, I just don't, I don't get it. It doesn't help to pretend that you know it all, that you've got it figured out. It doesn't help. And it doesn't help to pretend that you don't have any doubts either. Not when your life is riddled with them. When you carry them on the inside and all, your pockets are full of them. You've got like cargo pants and your pockets are just full of these doubts. You go, okay, but, but, but I'm not supposed to doubt. You know what you need to do with your doubts? The same thing that Thomas did with his doubts. You admit them to God. Let God deal with them. Quit, quit playing around. Quit pretending. So today I just want to share with you a, a simple prayer. It, it's, it's nothing magical, nothing, nothing mystical. This is not an incantation that fixes everything. In fact, it won't fix anything. But it will help you begin to be honest with God. It's a prayer that you may want to pray. It's a prayer that, for those of you who are in the midst of troubles, it may be your lifeline today. 
when you feel helpless and on the verge of hopelessness. This may be your prayer, and it doesn't have to be exactly like this, but I just want to share it with you so you kind of get a feel for, I can really be this honest with God? The answer is yes. You can go to me, you can say, Lord, I admit that I do not understand what's going on. Life hurts right now. And I'm so tired of pretending that I have it all together. I'm tired of lying to myself. I'm tired of lying to other people. I'm tired of lying to you. And I want to confess to you, I've got nowhere else to turn. And so I'm coming to you. And I'm asking you, God, give me, give me, give me wisdom. Give me faith. Because I admit to you this morning that I'm running low on both. It's an honest prayer. If we pray it from our hearts, it's an honest prayer. And if that's where you are today, if this describes where you're standing, then this may be the cry of your heart. If it is, I've got some good news for you. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him with integrity. Does this need to be your prayer today? Are you tired of pretending, tired of thinking that you got it all together, tired of trying to fool yourself and fool other people and maybe even fool God? And you're ready to come today in the midst of all that you're going through to say, God, I just want to admit to you I don't understand And I need you to help me see how through this I can grow into the person you want me to be. God, I don't want to see this just as a fire. I want to see it as a refining fire. Are you able to come to him today and say, God, show me how this can let me grow closer to you. Right now, God, there are times I just just want to yell at you. I I want to go out in the woods somewhere and just have it out. God, show me how you can be my refuge, that you're not my enemy, but that in the midst of this, you're my friend. Today, I want you to understand that these steps, they're steps. I walk up and down them all the time. But this place could be a holy altar for you, a place to come and do business with God place to come and be honest with him maybe for the first time in weeks a place where you can begin to get the answers to your deepest deepest needs maybe today what God is calling you to do is to connect with the life of a church or maybe to give your heart to Christ for the first time you've you've never received him as Savior you've never received him as Lord or, or maybe you have but you've never acknowledged him And today's the day God's been drawing you. I just want to let you know that whatever it is that God's calling you to do, today's the perfect day to say yes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this word. It's not always easy to hear. We'd rather, if we're honest, we'd rather you say, hey, listen, come and follow me and you won't have any troubles.
You won't have any trials. But we know that's not reality in this fallen world in which we live. And in fact, by following you, there are other troubles that come our way. So Lord, we want to come to you today and we just want to be honest with you. We want to do business with you today. We want to just come and open our hearts. If we need Christ to come and receive him, if we need a church family to come and connect, and if we need wisdom, understanding, then we want to enter into your throne room and kneel before you. Rip off the veneer and the mask and say, God, deal with my heart. Whatever it is, Lord, you're calling us to do, let your spirit lead us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we sing our final song and you respond?